0: Welcome to a brand new episode of Critical Talks. Today we talk about a topic that is near and dear to my heart, data analysis. More specifically, we'll discuss in detail the question, is data analysis really an essential skill to have considering today's environment? And the guest that will help us unpack the question is David Langer, uh, who's an analytics consultant, educator and public speaker and the founder of Dave on Data, an education company that focuses on teaching professionals essential data analysis skills. Before embarking on starting his own business, Dave worked both uh, in hands on data science roles as well as leadership roles at companies such as Microsoft, Data Science Dojo, and Schedulicity. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome David to the show. What an honor to have you here. How are you, David?
1: I'm great. And thank you for having me on the show.
0: Absolutely. So uh, I found you on YouTube and LinkedIn uh, just a few months ago. And uh, uh, one thing that really stood out to me, obviously, you know, were your videos. But, you know, you have this motto, teaching the world the 20% of analytics that drive 80% of ROI right? So I, I thought that was really interesting. And um, with all this hype around, especially you know in recent years around data science and AI and all these things, you know, they're actually a thing, but it, it kind of makes me think, okay, do we all really need to be focusing on, you know, AI and heavy data science and stuff like that? So, um, you know, that that motto of yours really helped me think more, think deeply about what is really important. So um, would you you mind explaining to the audience, you know, the reasoning behind your model and how it relates to your mission and what you do?
1: Yeah, okay. Um, So I'm going to trust you and your audience with a dirty little secret. The vast majority of analytics that's done day in and day out in the business world all around the globe can and should be done by business professionals and not by dedicated formal analytics folks like data analysts or data scientists. So that's the dirty little secret. And I came to that conclusion and and hence the motto from my own hands-on work. So I spent the past three years of my last employer, Schedulicity, servicing and helping out all aspects of the business, customer service, product management, finance, marketing, you name it. And what I found in those three years, and this also was true, by the way, when I worked at at Microsoft as well, is that most of the analyses that I did that were perceived as being valuable by the business folks weren't all that complicated, really. There was a small number of techniques that I just used over and over and over again. And it occurred to me that I probably could teach most, if not all, those business people how to do it. (laughs) and <laughs> maybe work myself out of a job as a consequence. Yeah. So for, so for example, in my last job at Schedulicity, I ran an internal training program where I taught people SQL. And I, I'm talking about folks that had never coded before. And simply because once they knew SQL, they could query the data warehouse themselves. So they didn't need to go through me and my team to get the answers that they needed. So that's really where it comes from. This idea that there's a disproportionate number of business questions. That can be answered with a relatively small number of analytical techniques, and they're actually relatively easy to learn. So why not teach the world them and then generate eighty percent of the ROI?
0: Yeah, that's great, and uh, I really agree with you know that notion. We're so focused on you know the heavy analytics and stat stuff that we kind of lose sight of hey, this is you know just get the basics down and move from there. And the reason why I, I really wanted to have you on this podcast. You know, my target audience is somewhat different from the typical business professional. I would say my target audience is quality and manufacturing professionals within the manufacturing industry. And, you know, this whole AI, big data, analytics, data science thing is really blowing up in the manufacturing space right now, you know, with terms like Industry 4.0, right? Mm. Uh, And everyone seems to be Just jumping on the bandwagon without really understanding what it, you know, what it entails and the value it can create because it can create value. Say I'm a quality or a manufacturing professional, right? How do I start uh, learning this new paradigm, these technologies, right? It's all different because you know, in quality and manufacturing, I would hope that most you know professionals would have at least a basic or more like the advanced understanding of stats principles. You know, uh, industrial statistics is somewhat different, but, you know, they at least, I'll assume that they have the basics down. That's great. But where do you, how do you move from there? Right. And most of them are at least decent, if not great, you know, with Excel. Okay. So mm-hmm. how do you move from there?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, as you well know, but I'll relate this for your audience. So I spent five years working in Microsoft's manufacturing and supply chain organization. Okay. So making Xboxes and Surface and Surface Pro. That's and, pretty
0: cool. Yeah,
1: I mean, when they, when they rolled out Xbox One, I got a special edition that they gave only Xbox employees that said, I made this on it. It was pretty cool. It was it was free. I had to pay taxes on it, but <laughs> the, it was free. <laughs> um, but make no mistake. Uh, I'm gonna tell you a story from Microsoft and they probably wouldn't want me saying this, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> one of the most revolutionary things that they did during my tenure at inside the Xbox, the manufacturing and supply chain division at Microsoft was they rolled out Power BI dashboards with control charts on them. Okay. 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 Something that's what, almost hundred years old now. And that was a big deal because what they got was essentially a good enough statistical analysis of what was going on in the manufacturing processes, very easily accessible via Power BI dashboard. In a blink of an eye, you could go take a look and see what was going on. So I only bring that up to mention this idea that, to, to frame up this idea that you don't necessarily have to get super fancy to actually drive disproportionate value. So. Mm-hmm that's that's what i want to say and this is coming from a guy who knows machine learning teaches machine learning all that kind of stuff and i actually use as you will know control charts all the time it's it actually is. one of it's it's actually one of my go-to analytical techniques
0: exactly i, I i'm very aware of that fact because that was <laughs> one of my one of the things that drew me to you i'm looking at your post on linkedin and i'm like this guy is talking about this book right here you know Don Wheeler, one of Don Wheeler's book, like, mm-hmm. wow, I've never seen a data science or data analytics professional or teacher, uh, trainer, talk about anything like that before. So I'm like, okay, now you've got my attention. <laughs> so the power of process behavior charts. So apparently he used, you know, that graphical statistical technique back at Microsoft Right. Mm-hmm. And from what I understand, you even teach your own course on process behavior charts, not necessarily to, you know, manufacturing quality professionals, but business professionals. Right. Now, right. could you tell us your take on process behavior charts and how it you know, may be different from, you know, uh, their use in industrial settings? Uh, if not, that's OK. Just tell us what uh, tell us your
1: approach. Absolutely. So if folks are familiar in the quality space you know, or or familiar with statistical process control, control charts, there's a whole family of charts that you can use, and they're all based on different underlying assumptions of the distribution of the data. Now, Dr. Wheeler, who's a a luminary in the quality space, has essentially argued for quite a long time that that's cool. If you need that fidelity of like an NP chart, then you should use it. However, generally speaking, the XMR chart, or the process behavior chart, as he calls it, is good enough for just about any scenario. And not only was he talking about it in the manufacturing space, but he's also offered up to say, hey, look, it'll work in the service sector as well. So if you work in the healthcare industry, for example, you can actually use it to analyze data over time. Because the XMR chart, Because it uses local measures of dispersion in the calculations, it actually works good enough in the business sense for basically any arbitrary distribution, whether it's count data, um, whether it's nominal, obviously not nominal data, but um, count data, or it's actually something uh, real data like a sales, something with a decimal point in it is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, (laughs) And it doesn't really matter what the distribution is, as long as you meet some very Basic requirements like all of the data points need to be logically comparable on the chart. And if they are, they have no profound seasonality in them, then you're good to go. And I'm a big fan of the simplest tool that gets the job done. Because generally speaking, in the business world, and I will, I wouldn't necessarily, I'm not necessarily a manufacturing expert per se, so I wouldn't necessarily go that far. But generally speaking, in the business world, If you can get the result fast and it's good enough for insight and action, that's typically all business people care about. So an XMR chart is a perfect, perfect analytical tool. And I've used it for, I first learned about it when I worked at Microsoft. So I've been using them now probably for almost seven years, five, six, seven years. And I use them all the time. Like in my last job at Schedulicity, my BI dashboards were all basically XMR charts, process behavior charts.
0: That's pretty cool. What other sectors have you seen it used? I know, you know, it's widely uh, used in the healthcare sector, but like, have you seen it used, you know, being able to be used in say marketing
1: Absolutely. sales? (laughs) So I can attest to where I've used it and I've used it in customer service. For example, determining if there's actually a statistically significant change in customer interaction, either whether that's call volume or if you're using something like Intercom and you're talking about internet-based chat from customer support perspective, I've used it to support marketing. Definitely digital marketing in particular is an awesome place for the process behavior chart, for XMR charts, because you're very often trying out different kinds of things and you're interested in knowing if something worked. And I don't know how familiar your audiences are with A-B tests A-B tests are essentially a randomized study that's commonly done in the digital marketing and e-commerce space, but they're not done nearly as often as people think. So what'll end up happening is like in the digital marketing space, somebody will change all the digital ads and they're going to want to know, hey, did it work? And you can go into a tool like Google Analytics and that's fine. But if you really want to know something with a little bit more of statistical rigor and process behavior chart and XMR chart is a perfect way. You just create two charts, one of what was going on before the change in the ads and then one afterwards. And then you compare the limits and you see, do you got any points beyond the the upper and lower process limit ranges? Statistical tests. So
0: cool. Simple as that. Really cool. Yeah. I would uh, actually compare AB tests to what's called, you know, DOEs change a couple Mm -hmm. of factors here and there and see, you know, how the outcome differs from, you know, based on different settings of, you know, each factor. Yeah. Uh, Great. Now, on to, you know, programming, right? Like I I said, you know, most folks in manufacturing or quality are very familiar with Excel. I would say most professionals in general, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, do you recommend learning a programming language? If so, how does one go about that?
1: It's a great question. So, I advocate kind of a choose your own adventure approach to building data analysis skills. So my base belief, and, and this, is, this is not just something I pulled out of the air. It's based on the fact that I've taught hundreds of working professionals in a live classroom setting over the years, programming skills from a diverse background. So mm-hmm. I believe that any professional can choose their own adventure in terms of the data analysis skills they build. And that could include programming, but it might not? For example, you can create process behavior charts in Excel. Excel's got a whole bunch of statistical functions. You got the solver, you could do linear regression in Excel using the analysis tool pack, and that might be enough. And if that's enough for you as a professional, if that's all the data analysis power and tooling that you need to have impact to generate ROI, awesome. I'm not gonna tell you to learn programming. Even though I'm a software engineer from by training and professional experience way yeah. back in the day, I'm also not gonna say that you need to learn programming. However, if you find that you need more power in your data analysis, you need more flexibility, then programming is a natural next step. And here's the kicker. If you have even just basic Excel skills, if you pick the right things, learning the programming that you need is actually a lot easier than people think. So for example, on my YouTube channel, I have a free self-paced tutorial that teaches Excel users SQL programming. And then if your listeners are not familiar, SQL or Structured Query Language, correctly pronounced SQL, by the way. (laughs) Sorry, that's a bit of an internet.
0: There's there's uh, there's a debate on that, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I've been around a long time. So folks that have been in computer science and coding for a long time, typically call it SQL. (laughs) Anyway, so SQL is the language that you use to query databases. And this can be very useful for you, for example, if you're going into a manufacturing or a quality system where there are millions and millions of rows of data, well beyond what Excel typically can handle very well out of the box, you can then use SQL, Structured Query Language, SQL, to query the database and pull the data, manipulate the data, massage the data, and then bring it back in a format, for example, that maybe you didn't analyze in Excel. Or alternatively, you can also perform certain types of analyses like Pareto analyses, for example, directly in your SQL queries at scale in the database. And the good thing about SQL is that it's essentially the lingua franca of data. Every storage technology, whether it's a a SQL server database from Microsoft all the way up to some sort of big data solution, they all speak SQL. So it's a very useful technique to have. So if you're one of those kinds of professionals, know that if you need it, you can go from Excel to SQL because your Excel skills will make that quite easy. Now, lastly, if you need even more power, if you're going to do some sort of um, data mining, let's say, so that would be things like machine learning or market basket analysis or cluster analysis, that sort of thing, then you're going to need a more powerful language than SQL or what you get out of the box with Excel. And that's where something like the R programming language comes in. and if you're familiar with the space at all, there are two big languages for data, programming languages for data. There are R, there's R, and then there's Python, and they're both fine languages. It's just my experience is that if you've never coded in a formal programming language before, R is much more accessible to Excel users than Python, typically speaking. And I, I think you might actually have some uh, some commentary you might want to add on that last point.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So. Uh... I've actually tried both, uh, tried learning both and uh, I learned Python you know for for a while, and then I essentially <laughs> ended up uh, purchasing one of your courses. so'm I'm, I'm now <laughs> learning R. Yes, yeah, hmm. so I can I can attest to R being, I guess a little easier to learn for for someone that's just starting out, right? Because I would, I would think that's because Python is more of a generic programming language, right? Mm-hmm. And also, you know, R was developed specifically around statistics, right? So it's really a statistical exactly. Exactly. programming language. Now, I'm a stats guy. I'm a, I love stats. So, you know, I'm just getting into, you know, being able to calculate statistics and visualizing data, different data sets, right? And one of the advantages to... Not just you know R over Python, but essentially learning a programming language over just computing or you know plotting or crunching your data in you know prepackaged statistical software such as minitab or jump. you know, I'm talking about all those you know all those software that are widely used in you know in in my sector, right? So the advantage is that as your you're doing you're you're essentially creating a script, right? You're also learning about how, say, calculating a statistic, how that's done, right? Or how how to plot a chart chart in the best way so it conveys the most information, right? Mm-hmm. Um, most of you are are familiar with Mini Tab and Jump, right? And they're, they're awesome in their own way, but a lot of times it's really a black, becomes a black box thing. Okay, you put data in, hit enter or run, and then you get some statistics out or a, a, a chart, right? With R or with any kind of programming language, you get to, you know, you get to be hands-on with your data and kind of, you know, wrangle it, manipulate it, you know, look at it from different angles so um, I've really enjoyed that about your course and, and about learning a programming language in general. So uh, what kind of other courses do you have?
1: Yeah, so I have, I have a couple of our courses, which you, which you mentioned. One is, it's what I call our programming made easy. And that is literally taking somebody with the basic Excel skills and using their Excel skills as the frame of reference For teaching them how to analyze data in the R programming language, including creating data visualizations and all that sort of thing. And then the next course in the series is introduction to machine learning with R. Because once you know R, basically any kind of data analysis technique that you can think of opens up to you. And by the way, R can handle data at volumes much larger than what Excel can handle out of the box. Mm -hmm. So you can do machine learning. Now, of course, You can do any sort of statistical analysis that you want, including there are multiple libraries for doing control charts. Oh, really? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And R as well. So you can like pick and choose which one you like based on how they actually render the, the visualizations and that sort of thing. So those are the two classes that I have. So teach you R programming using your Excel skills. And then once you have R, you now unlock to machine learning. And machine learning is definitely something that is hard to do in a tool like Jump or Minitab. Because to craft uh, a model, and let's say that you are, let's say you're really interested in the reverse supply chain. You're interested in returns. And you would like to create a predictive model around returns. Doing that rigorously with machine learning is very, very difficult, if not impossible to do in some of the tools that we're talking about. But R gives you everything that you need to do it. So you kind of have to go to a programming language to get that kind of power. So those are two of the classes I teach. I also teach a, a class um, which is which I'm now building as an online class. Normally I just teach this live, but now I'm, I'm building an online, online version of it, which I'm calling Introduction to Business Analysis with Excel. But it's actually XMR charts. That's what it is process. Okay.
0: <laughs> now we're talking. <laughs>
1: right behind the scenes, it's basically everything uh, about how you work with XMR process behavior charts to analyze business data. And it's really geared at a broad audience. So it'd be applicable to someone in the quality space who's not familiar, as well as somebody who works in human resources, for example, because it's basically the same analysis process. You just pick what data you're looking at, but it doesn't really matter if that's HR data or quality data, which is part of the genius of Dr. Wheeler's approach, by the way. I'm, I'm standing on the shoulders of giants here. Let me make no mistake. Literally, yeah. <laughs> and an- another class that I teach primarily live is introduction to linear regression with Excel. And that's simply because linear regression in Excel is actually so easy and so powerful. Microsoft has done a really good job of making linear regression analysis quite easy in Excel. And as you indicated, Excel is the world's most commonly used data analytical tool, by far and away. The estimates are 700 million users worldwide or more. So it makes sense to say, look, if I'm going to introduce some of these basic data analysis techniques, these introductory uh, data analysis techniques like process behavior charts and linear regression, Excel's an excellent tool. The good news is, is that when you learn either of those, learn any of those things in Excel, they translate to R. So like I mentioned earlier, there are packages, libraries in R for creating all kinds of control charts, including the XMR process behavior chart, as well as doing linear regression, of course. Because R is a statistical language. So, yeah. of course, it's got linear regression support. It's got everything. <laughs> it's, got, it's got everything. So the things that you learn directly apply. right? So, for example, how do you check the um, statistical significance of the coefficient of one of your linear regression parameters? You learn that in Excel, and that knowledge translates directly to R. It's the output. Essentially, you just have to say, oh, it's called this, and it looks like this in Excel, and it looks like that in R. That's basically all you have to do. So those are the classes that I teach at this point, um, those, four, those four classes. And in the future, I'm going to build additional classes. Uh, the next one I think I'm going to build is, I might take the Excel linear regression class and turn it into an online course, haven't decided yet based on demand, but definitely in the next course in the R space that I'll be teaching, that I'll be building as an online course is cluster analysis because that's a wildly useful thing for just about any professional. Cluster analysis. We're talking principal components analysis, or uh, no? So we're talking about k-means. Okay. Hier- hierarchical clustering. Uh, I might do. Um, oh, geez, the, the, the name of it just totally slipped my mind now. Um, but there's another. There's another very commonplace uh, algorithm that you use, and basically what it is is essentially is you take a pile of data, and then the algorithm, using mathematical calculation, tries to find. E- how close each row of data is to each other, and then tease them apart into like clusters where the, the rows of data are more close to each other than the others. And then that can often make patterns in the data pop for you that you've never seen before. Um, a prime example of where this is used a lot is in marketing for customer segmentation. Like Take, take a whole bunch of rows of your customer data, throw a clustering algorithm at it, it'll put all the customers into these cluster buckets. And then you look at them and say, what do they all have in common? So that's one way. Uh, Another area where it's used, which might be interesting to your audience, is I've used this in logistics. So for example, uh, Microsoft, not surprisingly, during the holiday season, had a huge demand for product. So they would create essentially temporary distribution centers to help facilitate the distribution of physical goods to retailers or and customers. Mm-hmm. The question is, the question is, where do you put them? So what you could do is you could do a cluster analysis for all of the different data points, maybe from the last few years of where you've shipped stuff and say, okay, where's the best place to actually put a temporary DC, a distribution center in the center of each of these clusters, for example. So that's one application in the manufacturing and supply chain space.
0: That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's a great example of you know, from data comes knowledge, from knowledge comes insight, from insight comes action, ideally, mm-hmm. right? And that's, that's why we do this. <laughs> yeah. uh, great. Okay. Well, um, any other recommendations you might have for, for someone that's just starting out? Okay, so start with SQL, right? If you want to get a little more advanced, start learning programming language. Anything else? Any- actually,
1: actually, well, here's where I would start, and you're you're going to smile, I know, when I do this. I would start with this book right here. Great. If you're not fam- if you're not familiar with control charts, if you're not familiar with XMR charts, and you're really interested in upping your data analysis game, you can't go wrong with Doctor Wheeler's book, "Making Sense of Data." That that's a great place to start. Uh, if you're already familiar with all the things that we're talking about, either because you've used them in Jump or in Minitab, the next place to go would be, um, and I'll, I'll make an assumption that also linear regression, because that's a very common thing that you do in mm-hmm. Jump and, and Minitab. Beyond that, then I would say yes, absolutely. If you've got data analysis in Minitab and Jump and or Excel down and you're good, next step, SQL, it's a great skill to have because it, it, un- it unlocks all the data sources. could possibly imagine and then after that if you need more power like i said earlier r programming is a great place to go because uh, it has so many libraries out of the box so for example um, if you're in if you're into optimization which is a very common thing that you do in manufacturing and supply chain that space is optimization there are many many libraries for doing mathematical programming and things like that in r as well so you've got just just this huge amount of power and capability and various scenarios that you can use R for so that makes it a great next step for basically any professional looking to have more power in their analytics
0: great Wow okay so much information we'll take some time to process all this uh, this is great uh, thank you so much Dave for joining us today I think uh, we all learned a lot and uh, you know hopefully you know thanks to uh, uh, your introduction, you know, to, to uh, data analysis and more and more people will decide to learn data analysis, uh, you know, starting small, but eventually, you know, moving on to, you know, heavier and heavier and, and juicier stuff. Great.
1: Yeah. That, and that is my mission, as, as you well know, is to empower any professional to develop valuable data analysis skills with this choose, advent, choose your own adventure approach.
0: Great, I, I have a ton of respect for you. Uh, oh, <laughs> you know, thank you. Appreciate for that, so no, I, I mean it, it's it's great. Um, okay, well, um, Dave has a website, uh, daveondata.com, and you'll find a, lots of great uh, material as well as I think you get to uh, uh, sign up for any of the courses that he mentioned. So. Uh, make sure to check out his website as well as his YouTube channel. Awesome. Thanks, Dave, for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for joining us today. We'll be back soon with a brand new episode. Till then, stay curious and keep learning.